he gave you his word. But the challenge is not believing that you will see him on the other side. Is how long is it going to be before I get there? He gave me his word that he would never leave me nor forsake me. He gave me his word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and all things were made by Him and for Him, for He was with God in the beginning. He gave me His Word. So there will always be a reason, watch this, that you don't feel like forgiving people. But if you want to be free, you might have to go against your feelings in order to live in freedom. I'm saying you might have to walk against the wind. You might have to forgive against the wind, especially in marriage. I love Holly so much because she decided a long time ago that I was the man for her. She reached the verdict on Furtick before she ever took my name as her own. And because she reached the verdict that she loves me and I'm a good man, in our marriage she works to collect evidence to support that I'm the man for her. She could just as easily do the opposite. She could, she could find 15 reasons. Well, he's only five foot nine. He's bigger on screen. You know, she could find 15 reasons. I'm usually moody three and a half days out of seven. She could find 15 reasons not to feel that way about me. But sometimes commitment means facing resistance with resolve in your heart. You can find a reason to leave this church in the next three days if you want one. Matter of fact, the law of averages says that there's somebody on your row right now who, if you get to know them, they will give you a reason to leave this church in the next three days because they will disappoint you with their lack of Christian character. But if you move one person over on the same row, I bet you there's somebody on that row that loves Jesus. There's somebody on that row who is honest. There is somebody on that row that is sincere. But you'll never sow. But see, I'm gonna get my well, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna get my I'm gonna do the tithing thing, but I'm gonna do it after I get my thing, because the thing after the thing is gonna do the thing. And then this thing happened, there was the thing, and the but the economy, but the presidential election. You see how we do it? Consulting the forecast instead of consulting our faith. He who regards the wind or observes the wind will never sow. And he who looks at the clouds will never reap. Because it always looks like it could rain any time. And you can't get the harvest in when it's wet. And Solomon didn't have a Weather Channel app. And Solomon didn't have a Weather Channel. He's dealing with people who would consult the conditions before keeping their commitments. Watching the wind. How many people have not started what God told them to start because they've been watching the wind? Been waiting for more spare time. I'm gonna write a book one day. You don't even keep a journal right now. 
I'm gonna write a book one day. When are you gonna write it? Well, I'm gonna build a cottage in Maine. It's the thing I'm gonna do one day. You got some family land? Nope. It's an imaginary scenario that keeps you from an actual opportunity. Do you see it? Watching the wind is wishing that you had a different wife instead of loving the one that you've got like Christ loves the church. This is getting good. This message is going to be better than your beard by the time I finish with it, my brother. And that's saying a lot. But you know, Peter knew something about watching the wind, though, didn't he? Peter, the apostle who was always wanting to do something impulsive, sometimes it worked for him, sometimes it worked against him. But one thing that you got to love about him, he did not wait for perfect circumstances to say. He didn't wait until he had knowledge to give his opinion. <laughs> you ever live with somebody like that? It's terrible. And I noticed something about God, and I wanted to give this to you, because they have these things in church. They say, well, God is an on-time God. Yes, he is. He's an on-time God. He's, he's seldom early, but he's never late. Ask Lazarus if he was ever late. Lazarus, he's about four days late, decomposing body, worms working their way into the eye socket by the time Jesus got there, and Mary and Martha had set their watch by it. Ask Peter if Jesus was ever late. Ask him. Ask him if, if one time they did not get sent out into a storm by the instruction that Jesus gave to go to the other side. Now, this has been really exciting to me as I've studied it this week because the, the real thing of faith is do you trust God's timing? You know that, right? And that was the test for Mary and Martha. Uh, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And she said, Well, uh, you know, I am the resurrection. And she said, Well, I know my brother's going to rise again at the last day. He said, No, I am the resurrection. It wasn't that she didn't trust what he was able to do, it was, Are you able to trust when God is going to do it? You can trust somebody's intention, but not trust their timing. And since I already talked good about Holly in this sermon, let me just say, I trust her with my life. I trust her to be faithful to our marriage vows. I trust her if she cooks for me or orders for me off of a menu. I trust she knows what I want to eat more than I want to eat. She knows me like that. I trust this woman with everything but time. When she says it's going to be 30 minutes, I allot three hours because she taught me that her concept of time is different than mine. One is correct, one is delusional. And I trust her. I really do. I trust her. I put her in a room full of supermodels, men, calendar men, and trust her in there. But if she said we're going to leave in an hour, I would set three alarms because I trust her with everything but time. Some of us trust that God is going to get us to heaven one day. Some of us trust that he died on the cross for our sin. We trust him with everything, but let him not do something at the moment that we want him to do it. 
Let him leave us in the fiery furnace four seconds too long and we'll be screaming, God get me out of this. But God said the real test for a mature Christian is do you trust me with my timing? Trusting him in the meantime is where maturity is developed. And Jesus was always doing stuff at a bad time. He was always going to Jerusalem at the time when they all wanted to kill him. That's a bad time to show up when they're looking for you to execute you. It's a bad time. 5,000 men, women, and children show up on the other side. Now, this is right after John the Baptist. I just want you to know how often God does things in our life at a bad time. Because some of y'all are like, right now in your life, like, well, this is a bad time for me, God. And, and I used to have this friend, every time he called me on the phone, he was so respectful. He would say, good time or bad time? Always wanted to know that before he said anything else. And I believe the Holy Spirit is saying to somebody today, good time or bad time? And you're like, this is a bad time. I'm too old to be doing this now. I'm too young to be doing this now. I'm too busy to be doing this now. I used to have a better job. I used to have more money. It's a bad time. But God likes to bless people at a bad time. He likes to raise people on the fourth day. And when Jesus had heard that John the Baptist had his head cut off by Herod, it was a bad time. And he wanted to get away from the crowds. So he went over to the other side uh, with the disciples. And when they got there, there was a crowd waiting to get autographs and healing and fish and chips and all this stuff. As a matter of fact, when he did the miracle and he feed the, feeds the 5,000, the first thing the disciples said was what? It's late. It's a bad time. It's a bad time. And, and Jesus, when he took the bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them, he did the miracle at a bad time. Now I'm, now I'm divorced. Now I'm a single mom. Now I'm, it's a bad time for me to be believing God. It's a bad time. I, I really wasted a lot of years. It's a bad time for me to be doing this. I, I think I made the wrong decision. I don't even think I'm supposed to live in Roanoke. I don't even think I'm supposed to live in Charlotte. I mean, it's a bad time. It's a bad place. That's what the disciples said. They said, it's a remote place, and it's already late, so send the crowds away. And Jesus said, no, I, I want to bless them when it's too little and when it's too late, because I want to bless you when you think it's a bad time so I can teach you how to consult your faith instead of consulting your forecast. You got the wrong weatherman. You keep watching the weather, and so now you live in fear of everything that could happen and everything that has happened. And as long as you watch the weather, as long as you, you, you keep that wrong weatherman, this is what God showed me. The weather is meant to be checked, not watched. When you when you sit when you sit around and watch it all day, it scares you. Oh, everything. It's good to plan. It's good to make provision. But don't watch the weather. If you watch the weather, you'll get in your feelings, and you'll get out of your faith. And now the wind, watch this, will work against you to contradict the word that God spoke to you. So this is the point where Jesus, after feeding the 5,000, sends the disciples 
into a storm. And I want to read this to you for everybody who's been watching the wind in your life, worrying about uncertain situations that you cannot control. I'm not talking about those of you that are trying to make a plan to pay off your debt. That's good. That's not a lack of faith. That's a, that's a presence of wisdom. But watching the wind is trying to calculate something that you can't control. You are worried your kid is going to end up dropping out of school, and they are three months old, and they don't like baby Einstein enough yet. And you are worried that they won't get into Harvard. You're watching the wind, trying to figure out stuff that's in the, in the future. Now watch this. This is so, this is so weird, because it says, immediately after Jesus blessed all the multitudes and the crowds at a bad time, he made them go into the boat, 22, and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. So at some point during his instructions, he told them, I will meet you on the other side. He gave them his word. He gave them his word. I will see you on the other side. He gave them his word. Touch somebody next to you and say, he gave you his word. No, I need you to help me preach this, not look at me with a little, little, little church face. Tell him, he gave you his word. But the challenge is not believing that you will see him on the other side. Is how long is it going to be before I get there? He gave me his word that he would never leave me nor forsake me. He gave me his word. In this corner, weighing in at unlimited pounds, hailing from eternity, made flesh by the will of the Father to redeem humanity, is the living, breathing Logos Word of God, Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and all things were made by Him and for Him, for He was with God in the beginning. He gave me His Word. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves, because why? The wind was against him. And his opponent, raging on the storm-tossed sea, the wind. And we came to church really today to find out which one's going to win. The calling that God put on your life or the circumstances that contradict it. Your faith or your fear. The wind versus the word. The challenger. You ever watch MMA? Sometimes I like to preach the word and then watch people beat each other half to death on Saturday nights. It's just a recovery method. It's kind of my own spiritual cryotherapy. But the challenger, and then and then you got the undefeated, undisputed heavyweight champion. Anyway, I'm gonna get back to the text because it said the wind was against the boat. And the boat 
did not represent disobedience like it did for Jonah, who was going away from God. They were going into their assignment, which led them into a storm, which meant that they had to keep moving forward against the wind. Now, if you watch the wind, you'll never set out. If they would have had a Weather Channel app, they would have never gotten in the boat. Sometimes we know too much. Sometimes we overthink things. Who's this message for? If you're a chronic overthinker, you are a wind watcher. Well, I might get a flat tire. They've been doing a lot of construction. I don't know if I should take this job or not. So, during verse 25, the fourth watch, the Romans divided it up into four quarters, all right? 6 p.m. to 6 a.m., four watches, three hours each. 6 p.m. to 9 p.m., first watch, 9 p.m. to midnight, second watch, midnight to 3 a.m., third watch. <laughs> and when does Jesus show up? I mean, this dude, is that disrespectful to call him that? He was fully God and fully man. And he shows up, not the first watch of the night, second watch, third watch. What I like about the text is even the term watch has significance. Because if you remember what I just read you, it said that he went up on a mountainside to pray. Now the sea was situated well below the mountain, which means that as they went through the storm, even though he didn't stop it, he saw them in it. I want you to be encouraged today, my sister, my brother, my fellow child of God. Just because the storm is raging doesn't mean God has left the scene. And just because he hasn't stopped it doesn't mean he doesn't see it. And just because the devil started it doesn't mean he won't use it. And just because I don't know how long until we get there doesn't make me doubt his presence in the middle of it. He was watching the whole time. He knew just when he wanted to step in so they could see him as he had never been seen. And I believe God is speaking over somebody's situation today that his eye is on you. I believe that he has numbered the hairs on your head. I believe that even the bad things that have happened in your life, he kept every tear in a jar. And I don't believe that one of them is beyond redemption. Now, the Bible says that when it got to the last watch of the night, after they have rowed four to five miles in their own strength, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were at peace. Nope. First, when you see God, your first response is fear. Why? You don't know if this is really him. That's the problem. I don't know if this is God, or I don't know if this is the devil, or I don't know if I'm supposed to do this, or I don't know if I'm supposed to do that. And the challenge is trusting God in uncertainty. And you got to believe that the disciples were wondering, did we hear him right? Did he really say get in the boat? Surely he wouldn't have sent us into a storm like this. And now enters the mythology that the Jewish people would have believed that at this point that underneath the sea was controlled by an evil spirit. So when Jesus comes walking to them and they can't fully trace his silhouette because it's still dark and because it's foggy and the wind is against them, their first instinct is it must be a ghost. See, you keep thinking when God shows up in the situation, it's going to feel better all of a sudden. But this will blow your mind. The Bible doesn't say they were scared 
at all until Jesus shows up. Now you see why you can't go by your feelings? Sometimes the moment when he's closest is the same moment when the wind is blowing the strongest. So they were, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. Now, Jesus, instead of rebuking them for their fear, responds to their initiative. And he said, remember this is a significant term, Yahweh, I am, the name of God. It's a, it's a name that Jesus embodied in flesh. God is that in spirit, but Jesus shows us that in flesh. And when he says, take courage, it is I, it's more than him just saying, it's me, boys. He's identifying his presence and connecting it to the eternal God and the eternal word. When he speaks, it is I, don't be afraid. Peter, in equal parts doubt and equal parts curiosity, because he just got to participate in a miracle of feeding 5,000, is like, I want to get in on this one too. And I'm tired of being in this boat with John. He gets on my nerves. He doesn't row. You know, John was laid back. And Peter's like, if it's you, get me out of this boat. Tell me to come. I preached this for a long time the wrong way, and I've corrected it since. I used to say that, that Peter walked on water. But if you look at verse 29, Jesus said, Come. And then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water, but he was really walking on the Word. Hey, it really is a privilege to share God's Word with you. Thank you for joining me. But each week, we just have a little bit of time together, and I'd love to take the conversation beyond just a TV program. So if you want to go deeper, if you want to connect on another level, you can call or go online right now and request exclusive resources from today's message. We'll make them available to you with your gift of any amount to the ministry. But I want to tell you about something else, too. Live, every single Sunday, we broadcast a message from Elevation Church, the church where I pastor. And so you can tune in, worship with us, hear a message, experience the ministry live as it happens. And what's even better, you can connect with a community of people from all over the world. We call it EFAM, E like elevation, E like extended. It means a lot of different things. But it's just our way to connect with you beyond this broadcast. I would love for you to join us live this weekend. Then you can go online stephenfurtick.com slash live. Don't forget the slash live. It will take you directly to the details and the times, so do it now. Visit the website. I'll see you this weekend. Some of you have had the wind against you your whole life. You didn't have the right shoes. Your parents didn't make a lot of money. You had to learn to fit in. You had to learn how to be tough. You had to learn how to be hard, and you learned how to survive a storm. But the problem with that is sometimes the wind isn't even against you, but you still feel like it is. 
you don't know the way God is going to work in your situation. And it is always too soon for you to quit on something that God put on the inside of you. If he gave you a dream, it's too soon to walk away from it just because it doesn't manifest in three dimensions by the time you get done praying about it. Seeds can be deceiving. Seeds can look awfully small. Seeds can look impotent. And they may be dormant for a while, and when you sow them, they go away for a little while. But they didn't go to die. They went to multiply. Some of the things in your life that you said goodbye to, you need to say, see you later. I'm expecting you to come back up again, because I believe in resurrection. If God's put gifts and dreams inside of us, isn't it time to find out what they are? Your potential isn't gone. It's just waiting for you to access it. Call or go online now for your copy of Unlocking Your Hidden Potential. EFAM is our online family at Elevation Church. It doesn't matter where you call home. Becoming a part of our EFAM is as simple as joining us online each week. Each weekend, we broadcast our worship experiences to thousands of people around the world. It's so simple for you to join the huge move of God that is happening through our EFAM by tuning into experiences on the weekend or on demand when it's convenient for you. When you participate, you'll experience awesome worship music, preaching, and community with people tuning in, just like yourself. You can have a deeper connection by joining an e-group and an e-team, giving online, and connecting with other e-fam near you through watch parties. Wherever you find yourself in life, we want to be a place you can depend on for receiving inspiration, encouragement, and support. Grow your faith, no matter where you are. Was it for nothing that you shared you'd